This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Okay, welcome everybody, welcome all our Torah Anytime uh, viewers. Uh, tonight we're learning uh, Tonight, oh, everybody's invited to join us. Everyone is invited to join us at 1601 Quentin Road every Thursday at 8 p.m. Women only. And um, and a special Mazal Tov to, I don't know, I'm not going to say her name, but one of the girls that helped set up. But now that we had three, this is, uh, this is something so unbelievable. We've had, I find it so fascinating. It has nothing to do with me. I know that for sure. But ever since we started the class, um, we've had three girls that helped set up the, for, for the class, meaning arranging it, putting like all that information, putting out the, uh, you know, the, inv- the information, coming early to help set up. Three, ad- three of them got, en- got engaged and got married. And they're so happily, I don't know, I'm hoping, they're so happily married. Um, so it's not married yet, but she will, uh, you, you know, if everything should go well. So I didn't want to, I don't know if I said it yet on camera before, I don't think I did, but now three times is a chazakah. That means if you come to class, it doesn't have to be this class, you come to class, you help set up a Torah class, you help spread up Torah, it, it must be it's good for something. So, but let's see, we have, we have, Two helpers in the process, so uh, now we can put them on the spot. Put them on the spot. Yeah, pressure is up. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Okay. Now, Bezalat Hashem, in the matter again, like we said before, in the matter of, of, of the Holy Day of Tuba, may everybody who needs a Shidduch, everyone who needs a Shalom Bayit, whatever it needs and, and anything, should be granted um, speedily, easily, and happily. Okay, so let us begin. Okay, so let me, let, we have to like explain what's going on over here. I know there are a few people that, that actually emailed or text message, you know, to ask, like, what's the situation with this, uh, with this class, with the topic. So, uh, I think it was two years ago. I don't remember, actually. I should have probably checked. About two years ago, we started a series, uh, the Mashiach series. And what happened was is that we stopped, I think, 12 classes in. We stopped. I had a few more classes prepared, and then we stopped. Why did we stop? I don't know if I should say that on camera. But I stopped for a particular, a particular reason. And I kind of regret stopping. I shouldn't have stopped. I should have finished the topic in its entirety because I like to finish topics in its entirety even though it doesn't seem like that when you look at my classes because a lot of them are just sort of like, just, you know, sort of ended up. So what I'm working on now, my New Year's resolution for Hashanah uh, is to try to close off the topics that I left open. So one of the topics I left on was Mashiach. Mashiach we spoke about. There's a lot of things that I didn't, I wanted to speak about, I didn't end up speaking about. To the extent of how, how many classes I'm going to do this, I don't know yet. I don't know yet what I'm going to speak about and what topics I'm going to point on, but I do know that I want to finish it. Um, and this week, what I wanted to try to do, being that we gave it, I think it was two years ago, don't quote me on this, I think it was about two years ago, that we gave it, I want to sort of give like, I call this class the recap. Even though like, I could have really called it like a crash course, but it really it's not a crash course. There's a certain things that I want to speak about. Now, one of the reasons that I picked these particular items to talk about today is either A, it's very, very important, or B, these are common questions that I get regarding this topic. So sort of as before we go and continue on with this topic that we started two years ago, I wanted to sort of like clarify the area so that we don't have like questions on the, on the thing. And if you do have questions here, are going to be, uh, you know, the answers. It happens to be that it also works out perfectly because we just finished the 13 Principles of Faith. And uh, we just pr- finished proving, you know, uh, the Divinity series just by like a year ago, whatever it is. We finished like a lot of important series, so I, I do feel like that that does come into play, and you'll see how it comes into play with the things that we uh, talk about. Okay, so uh, let us begin. So 
One of the most important things when you're dealing on Mashiach is that the Rambam in Hilchot Shuvah brings down a very, very important concept. That these, there are certain people that they do not have a shear in the world to come. Part of those people is people that go and deny in the resurrection of the dead and people that deny in the Redeemer a.k.a. Mashiach. People that deny the fact that there's going to be a resurrection of that. People that deny the fact that there's going to be a redeemer. Those people are, are they have no share in the world to come. I've heard, I'm just wondering where it's come from. Okay, so in any case, okay, so so this is a very, very important topic that it's it's not like, okay, yeah, I know it's, you know, the Torah speaks about there's a Mashiach, but like, if you're not very familiar with Judaism, it's like, okay, then there's like Christianity, then there's like, uh, you know, different uh, different concepts, different sects with different messiah, Messiahs and Mashiachs and things like that. So it is very, very important to clarify it. At the same point in time, the, the there, there are many concepts that when dealing with Mashiach that you don't really gain much from it. There's not much that you gain from it, because it's sort of like, it's, it's nice information, but like, for example, Rabbi Khan Inspector goes and explains like this, There's, there are many predictions, and we're going to speak about certain predictions that are going to happen, but at the end of the day, we won't know how it will be until it will be. So we could speak about it from today until tomorrow and all different concepts of it, but at the end of the day, we'll see it when it happens. So, one prediction happened, happened like a week, a week or two ago about like the foxes and... Like right, so yeah. What? Whatever it was, it was definitely an interesting, uh, you know, uh, definitely an interesting, um, uh, you know, let's call it situation uh, that you know that did, that did happen. But uh, um, I'll tell you one thing about about my the way I, I spoke a lot about Mashiach, and uh, if you realize, I'm very very particular not to use the current days and, and think like, okay, this happened, that means Mashiach is right, right now coming. I don't, I don't, there are, there are many rabbis, and well, bizarre term I want to speak about it today, that speak about like, okay, Mashiach must come by this date, because it says, and they give proofs on the Torah, and they give legit, and everything's like legit 100%, but, that's not my. That's not the way that I do it. So I I go based on what the sages said in the either in the Chazal or what the Psukim said tell us in the Torah, and from that you will make your own your own decision. I am nobody to able to say like Mashiach is going to come at this point in time because I can give you proofs from here, 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 and here, and there's Torah codes and there's this codes, and it says over here in the Zohar it says this over it must be. Trump, 777, whatever that goes on with all these numbers and things like that. And that's what it's going to be. I don't know. Maybe yes, maybe not. I'm not one to go and decide it. But I'm going to just deliver the information. I'll spread it out for you. And you could, like a buffet, what you want to choose and what you want to take. And then you take it home. That's only the concepts of it. But it's very important that you can't choose as a buffet. Things are going to speak about like chuva, which is a very, I want to give a whole class in itself just on the concept of chuva on it. So these are things that you can't choose like a buffet. I'll do chuva on this. I'll do chuva on that. I'll save that for later if I have room, and uh, I'll come around for that if it's still fresh. You know, like, there's certain things that you could, you know, like, pick and choose and how, and how you, uh, you know, understand certain concepts, and there's certain things that, you know, you can't. This is the way that it goes. So, when, when we're dealing with Mashiach, first and foremost, we have to understand why we want Mashiach. The concept of Mashiach, people have different understanding of Mashiach and why they want Mashiach. So some people, uh, you know, claim, yeah, you know, like, this is usually the, the younger generation. The Jews will rule the world, and then we will have slaves, and we'll, I don't know what they, you know, people go on and where they get their information from, whatever it is, and, you know, and everybody will bow to me, and I will be a ruler, and I will be a king, and I'll have a palace, and blah, 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 blah. That's not why we want Mashiach. If that's going to happen, maybe, we'll see. Hopefully, maybe, could be, possibly, depending on who's listening. Um, but, the, the, you know, there are other people that, that may want Mashiach, 
Because, listen, that's when we can, you know, we can eat what we want, we can drink, we can celebrate, it'll be an awesome time, the Jews will be on top. That's why we want Mashiach. That's not why we want Mashiach. Uh, there are some people that, that want it, some people want things that are different. And it's, it's not some people, it's like almost everybody. The, human beings have a very, very interesting um, psychological you know, concept that we like something new and something different. Uh, and that's, you know, there, there are certain politicians that utilize this and they'll call it change. Or they'll call it something new, or whatever it is. They'll, they'll put certain words out there. I'll be like, I want to see something new. I want to try something. New. The whole concept of having a new lease and having a new phone and having a new. We, we want. We like new things. We like something new because we're bored very easily, especially in our day and age where you know all the therapists and the psychologists and psychiatrists slapped a bunch of letters into back of everybody's names. I'm not talking about PhD and MBA and anything like that. I'm talking about ADD, ADHD, ABCD, uh, whatever, all the other bad letters that you could put together, they put it you know, there. So we like new things and we get very, e- very, very easily uh, distracted. We hear something new, different. Michelle, yeah, that would be interesting. I'll watch that show. That's all, yeah, I'll subscribe to that. You know, so you think about it. That's not why we want Michelle because it's something, you know, something different. On the, you know, on the flip side, you have some people be like, you know, the guy that cut me off? Oh, I can't wait. The Mashiach will come. I will show him. The Amalek that failed me in college. Oh, Esab over there. He's going to get payback over here. Oh, you know what the Arabs did? And you know what this did? It's not because we want revenge. It's not because we're going to live. Why do we want Mashiach? We want Mashiach so we'll be able to. It's, it's a spiritual thing. We want it for God. We want it so that we'll be able to delve in Torah and its wisdom to the fullest extent possible. The purpose of the creation of this world. That's why we want Mashiach. Everything else is a false concept, the false pretext of why we want something. That's not the correct way. And if this is your thought process of why you would want Mashiach, then this is something that needs to be changed. No suffering also. Again, it's better than revenge, but on the pole of like the importance, it's really... World peace also. World peace is also nice. Yes, it's also very important. Again, we're not... It's not a beauty pageant, right? I'll be like, well, you know, I would like Mashiach for help of feeding all the poor. Which is great. I want feeding all the poor. World peace. Great. I want world peace also. But yeah, but that's not the goal. The goal is not the goal is not that. That is going to be a side effect of what happens. For example, there, there was time of world peace. Look at the time of the, before the Dar, by the Dar Flaga, before the, the Tower of uh, Babel, the, the, you know, the, okay, you guys know what I'm talking about, right? I should try to translate it. Okay, so now, the, there are many times in history that there was world peace Per se, I'm not talking about world peace that they that they explain now. It was not okay. Te- technically, it was, it was also like that in the Shlomo's time to a certain extent. But I'm not talking about world peace where it's like everyone's smiling and be like, "Yes, hi, how are you? I want you to die right now. I don't hurt it, huh? And yes, I love you. Too. You know, what am I talking about? United Nations? I'm, whatever. You know, it doesn't matter. We don't have to throw our names over here. So, um, but it's not. That's not the, the the concept of that that we're referring to. Of course, we want world peace and we want everybody to be healthy and happy and live a long life. The whole world, only the good to happen to everybody. That's all we want. But. The ultimate goal, why, why is this so important? Because the ultimate goal is not this world. If you're thinking of Mashiach for the benefits of this world, then it's a little bit, it's a little bit, you know, on the wrong path. I'm not saying it's completely on the wrong path. It's a little bit on the wrong path. Because there are many, many more important aspects that need to, that need to delve over here. God can make world peace easily. God can make everybody, there's, there's a reason, and there's a rhyme and reason for everything that happens to everybody as a whole and to everybody as an individual. Why certain people are, 
not as healthy as others? Why are certain people have um, you know not, not as financially stable as others? I'm trying to be very neutral over here. If you're trying to see how I'm breaking my teeth over things, um, uh, you know, th- there are different there are different uh, um, of, of you know situations which could easily be resolved by God. But there's a reason why it's placed over there. And the reason is not, oh, when Mashiach... No, there's a reason why everyone's going through that. And this is actually something that I do want to speak about, why people, you know, go through, why they go through, and the suffering that, that unfortunate people go through. The, but before we get into that, we have to, we have to um, discuss a few concepts. And one of them is when, when we understand that we want Mashiach. And it's not because we know there's a song, we want Mashiach, and not because there's somebody handing fires, Mashiach now, and there's not, the, the, we want Mashiach, again, for the spiritual reasons behind it, to serve, to be able to serve God, but there's more than that, the Gemaran Shabbat tells us, the Gemaran Shabbat, page 31a, says that when you get up to heaven, after 120 years old, they're gonna ask you a few questions. They're gonna ask you, did you, did you go in business honestly? Did you go and, did you involve in, did you go and involve in procreation? Did you go and tzipita Yeshua? Did you anticipate salvation? And this is something we spoke about before quite a few times, but it's important to uh, give a little bit of a, a, a different understanding based on the class that we're giving today on what does it mean to anticipate the Mashiach. Anticipate the Mashiach meaning that you're waiting for it to happen. Not like a concept, yeah, Mashiach will be nice. Mashiach, that, that would be really, really nice. I mean, anticipating means like, oh, I can't wait. Mashiach is coming. Like the second that you hear a loud horn, you'd be like, you grab your suitcase and you run out. I heard uh, um, there was a clip, maybe this is a time that I could, uh, I think it was a daily dose from Torah anytime. I know I've been spilling you guys, uh, you know, on this. But um, Rabbi Ari Ben Chushan said a fascinating story on it that there was once a guy, and I'm saying it by memory, I did not prepare this, so I might say the details wrong. Go to Rabbi Ari Ben Chushan if you do want to find the, the full details of it. But there was once a guy in yeshiva that wasn't, you know, had a very hard time getting married. And after, you know, he got he got on in the, you know, in the in the years, and then finally he got he got engaged. And and when he came to the to the bet midrash, all the people saw him and they start they they closed they like they basically they were learning. They stopped learning. And they started dancing with him and they said they were so happy. The whole bet midrash was dancing. There was a rabbi in the back that came out with a suitcase. He was like. He's like, what's going on? He's like, and, and they were like, he got engaged. This guy got engaged. And the guy was like, oh, oh, you got, oh, it's just you. He's like, oh, okay. And he walks away and be like, you know, like, I thought it was Mashiach. I thought everyone was dancing. I thought it was Mashiach. And I love the way that Rabbi Arbitrushan goes and he says, you know what's a fascinating thing? Is this rabbi had a suitcase. He had a suitcase right in his, in yeshiva. It wasn't even a house. That was a, he had everything ready. You know what is the anticipation of Mashiach? That's meaning anticipation of Mashiach means that you're anticipating it, that you're like, is he here? Is, is it coming? Like you're going on vacation, you know, it's like, a, you know, like assuming you're planning a, like a crazy vacation. You're going around the world on a sailboat, I don't know, whatever it is that you like. I don't, you know, some people say, you know, some, that's not a vacation for some people. Some people are like, when am I going to shower next? Let's say you're going on a $50,000, you know, month vacation. That's probably not a lot. I don't know. A lot of money, right? A half a million, half a billion dollars, whatever it is, a lot. A lot of money, you're going and you're traveling around the world, paid for by the Trump administration. Why not? Um, and uh, you get to go, and it's like, you're going in a certain amount of time. Are they going to, you know, you're going to be asked and be like, so are you, are you excited to travel first class around the world and, you know, see all the luxuries of the world? Be like, oh yeah, all right, I forgot about that. Yeah, when I go again? Like, oh yeah. No, you're going to be like, yeah, it's going to be in uh, 43 days, 6 hours, and 12 minutes. You know, wait, how long are we talking about? No, 11 minutes. So you have, you're anticipating is that you're waiting for it. There's, there's, there's an anticipation for it. That's really what we need to do. Rabbi Cheska Levenstein 
goes and says that only those that anticipate the Geula, that anticipate the redemption, will merit to see it. It's, this concept of anticipation is very important. Anticipation of the Mashiach is very important. But at the same point in time, you have it be like, okay, we've been waiting for so many years, and it still hasn't come yet. So okay, so how long can we anticipate it? So the Chafetz Chaim goes and gives a mashal, a parable, that says that let's say there was a, there's a person that is sick, and he's waiting for the doctor to come and give him his medicine. And every time someone knocks on the door, he jumps, and he runs to the door, and it's, oh, it's the mailman, oh, it's the delivery guy, it's all this, and he's like, oh, come on, you know, like, he's waiting for it. But do you think that after all the knocks, he's gonna, you know, like, he's, he's opening the door already ten times, he's gonna give up hope on the doctor? He's like, no, no, no. He says, every knock brings him closer to the salvation that he's looking for, to the doctor giving him the medicine that will heal him. So the same point in time when we're going, we're dealing with Mashiach, and we're saying, okay, like, it's been so long, and where is he? Be like, the, every time that he hasn't here yet, it's all that closer to where he's actually coming. That Mashiach is actually coming. So the anticipation should not decrease, it should increase that it's coming I, I, you know, it's coming closer and closer. The important aspects of, of, the, of the aspiration of Mashiach is that when you aspire for something, when you want something, when you strive for something, it shows you who you are as a person. So when you're driving for something, if, if your goal, if comes Rosh Hashanah or Lahavdil, you know, you know, like, you can't even say that. There's like a billion, gazillion, you know, is, you know, Rosh Hashanah and you make a um, a resolution and be like, first resolution, I'm going to lose weight this year. Be like, so that's what's important in your life, your weight. But if your first resolution is like, you know what, no, I want to pray better, I want to be more modest, I want to learn more, I want to do this, I want to do that in the spiritual realm, that shows what you strive for and what you gain for. If, if, when you go, it's a very dangerous game to play, but um, I'll tell you like this, so there was, because I have you know, a bunch of people that come over to me and we speak about dating, we speak about different things, um, and about marriage and things like that, I thought I wanted to create like a card game. It's going to be called Shidduch Dating. Or that. Somebody might steal it. It's fine. Do it. Oh, they do have it? Where you have certain things, certain, so you, it's basically one-liner that basically brings out conversation. But then there's like certain things will be like, well, listen, the card said it. You know, like, you know, like, you know, you want to ask some questions, but you can't ask some questions, so then the card asks. You know, so it, it, makes, it makes things a little bit easier to, uh, to, to relate to. And um, one of the things was, is like, if you had three wishes, like quickly, within five seconds, what would it be? Quickly, you know, like, so what, it, what is it when you put someone on the spot? So they'll be like, money, skinny forever, I don't know. But, you know, like, you know, I could eat a thousand kilos of fat and nothing will happen and health, whatever it is. So what, what does that do when you put someone on the spot that tells you what's, uh, what, what they're anticipating, what's the purpose of their life? If, they, if they'll be like, easy is modesty, marry a righteous person and have righteous children. It'll tell you very different than the person that'll be like, multi-billionaire, skinny forever and a mansion. Well, multi-billionaire mansion. Okay, whatever. You know, like whatever it is. So like it tells you a lot about the person. So when you go and you anticipate something, it tells you also about yourself. If you're going and you're anticipating the fact that either you're getting a new job or either you're leaving your old job or you're retiring or, you know, whatever it is in the physical world, then it shows you what you, what you strive for. I'm not saying that it's bad to anticipate good things. You should anticipate, you know, you won the lottery and whatever it is, it's good to anticipate good things. But if that's your sole focus in, in life, then... It really shows where your where your where where your center is. So when we're anticipating for the Mashiach to come, what we're doing is we're really showing where our focus is, who we are, and what we are doing in this world. Now, when when dealing with the the end of days, they're known the Chachamim tell us the Chazal tell us is known as Chevle Mashiach. 
Kavle Mashiach is the is the like the troubled times of when Mashiach comes, and it's very very interesting. I'm not. I want to run through a certain things. I'm not going to dwell on on some things. I may or may not, depending on what happens in in God's realm, and I don't have to do with me. If I'll go and, and delve on these more in a later class, but. There are important aspects that I did, I did want to quickly go by. Now, the time of when Mashiach comes is a secret. We don't know when Mashiach is going to come. But there are signs when this will be more apropos. Mashiach is, is very close. It's at its doorstep. It's Chebla Mashiach. It's the, it's the, it's, it's the, the footsteps, the doorsteps of where Mashiach is actually coming. So there's a few things that the sages tell us. Number one is that there will be inflation. Inflation means that prices go up. Prices go up. We see that. I don't even have, a lot of these things I could just say it and you already understand it. I really don't want to spend a lot of time because we have a lot of other uh, things that I do want to speak about. But inflation, you'll see the prices go up. You'll see also that there are many, there'll be many people that are begging and people are not going to take pity on them. And then you see that all the time. You have so many people, but what it could be is because desensitization, people get desensitized. If you're going and you're, well that also unfortunately, I have a story with that as well. Um, but, uh, but at the same point, people get desensitized. So you have somebody that's going and asking charity, all right, okay, fine, I'll give you a quarter, I don't give you anything. It's like, it doesn't, it, we, we don't move. So it, it, you know, that the, there are people that are suffering and people are still not jumping around to go and help them. Obviously, the Jewish nation is an amazing nation and it goes and it helps all its brothers and sisters. But there's so many people that are begging. And unfortunately, you know, I'm speaking to myself also, we get desensitized. We get desensitized with these things. The, Furthermore, the next thing is that the righteous people shall be despised. The pious people inside the kingdom are despised. We're like, oh, okay, oh, he learns all day? Wait, so he doesn't work? So what does he do? How does he get money? Oh, people, you pay him? Oh, like, oh, really? Oh, what a lazy person. Like, we despise the people that they, their focus in life is, let's say, the righteous. Unfortunately, I won't go that far, but I hope not. But, but it can be. Furthermore, also, the truth will be abandoned. People search for falsehood rather than the truth. I could give an entire class just on this. This entire... And I can tell you two words that will sum it all up. Social media. And again, truth will be abandoned. People only go after falsehood. The young will insult the old. Again, I can tell you it in two words. Social media. <laughs> there are family breakups. I could sum this up in two words. Social media. But again, this is not a social media. Um, um, this is not a social media thing. Right. So there's also going to be a lack of scholars. I could sum this up in two words. <laughs> TV and movies. Okay, no, no. Okay, so, so yeah, TV movies. Okay, uh, but but there's also going to be a succession of. And if you want to look it up, you can look at the Gemara Sota in page 49b. There's going to be a success. Well, I don't think it's. A, it doesn't say. I don't know. I know it doesn't say social media on it. But okay, that's my own. Uh, you know, little addition. The um, there's going to be a succession of troubles and evil decrees, one after another. There's going to be troubles. There is going to be a famines. There's not going to be enough food. There's going to be epidemics of terrible diseases. There's going to be poverty. There's going to be international confrontations of nations provoking and fighting against each other. Oh, that's funny. That's, well, there's everything. I don't, I, I, everything I said here is like, check, 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 check. Yeah. Wait, are you reading the news? What's going on over here? Like, check, check, check. This is, the, you know, the, the Gemara Sanhedrin, page 98a, says that if you see a generation that is overwhelmed with many troubles, one after another, away from Mashiach. That's when Mashiach is coming. If you see a nations that fight against each other, look to the feet of Mashiach. Look to Mashiach is coming, you know, very close. The Rambam, Maimonides says, in Egeot Teman, he says that the exiles will, you know, become, when it becomes lengthy and there's many troubles that befall us, people will leave the religion. People will leave the religion. Thought us, we don't get enough education, whatever it is that they, you know, whatever. They did. And we'll speak about World War II. Right, right, we'll speak about World War II. 
Very, very true. The Rambam goes on and writes that at the end of days, with all the troubles, the one of the focuses that we need to do is is on belief and like emunah, like on belief and the truth. That and he said, and he goes on and says that it's very important to teach the women and children these concepts, so they will. And this is you're talking about a thousand, you know, like almost a thousand years ago. The Rambam wrote this that you know when there wasn't you know Bosham today, you have women's classes. Back then, they, you know, you didn't have that. You know, the 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 women's you know women's classes as we have today. So he said it's very very important to teach this to women and children because there's going they're gonna have a lot of questions, and it's very important that these questions are answered. That they have the that they will have good belief, and the questions will be answered. The Chafetz Chaim writes that says that don't be surprised when you see those that deny the Torah will be successful because this is also part of our test and the trials for the time of the Mashiach comes. And it's very interesting because it will be very difficult at this point in time to, to remain strong in faith. And we're not. People, even people that are religious, people that are from, from I, I speak to people and, and I, people have, and I'm not saying that they're wrong, it, it's, these, these are thoughts that pop into people's head that people say like, okay, so where's God? Like, why is God doing this to me? Like, after all this, it's very, very difficult to remain in faith. And even more so, you're going to have leaders, unfortunately, that will preach falsehood, that will go and they'll, they'll, they'll teach the wrong Torah, they'll teach the wrong things, and uh, they'll go and they'll say, you don't have to do this, you don't have to do that, this is really an, an astringency, Shabbat, modesty, whatever it is that they're going to go and, and give up. And that is why, something very interesting, I heard a very interesting interpretation, anybody who speaks Hebrew is a rope. Is, a, is like a rope. A rope, if you want to go and come, you have to sometimes, if it's, if it's windy, you have, to, you have to hold very, very tightly to the rope. Before Mashiach comes, why is it not Chevlei Mashiach, like the rope, like the ropes of Mashiach? Because you're going to have to hold very tightly. If you want to hold onto your faith, you have to hold very tightly during that time. There's going to be a lot of people that are going to be going off. There's going to be a lot of people that are going to be coming on. It's going to be a very, very windy and turbulent time. There's going to be a lot of suffering, a lot of, a lot of issues and problems, and then a lot of, uh, you know, greatness. There's going to be Issues coming from all angles. If you want to hold on, you have to hold on very, very tightly if you want to stay uh, a kosher Jew. Now, it's very interesting as why the Chachamim told us about this. Like, why do we need to know about this? Let us deal with it when we come. Why did this have to be in the Gemara? Why did the sages have to go and tell us all these problems that's going to happen? What we should expect? All the issues that we're going to have to deal with? And the, these are not, you know, fun issues to deal with. Why did the Chachamim tell us that? So, one of the reasons is, is that you can't compare somebody who anticipates and knows that there's something's going to happen to somebody that doesn't know that something's going to happen. If somebody is aware that it's a test, it's much easier to pass than somebody who's aware that it's not a test. So if let's say somebody, um, let's say somebody's at, uh, at, at work, working for a, uh, let, let's call a stock, I don't know, I don't know, people, okay, well let's, let's use this example as what popped into my head. A, uh, like a stock brokerage firm, like a, like a big, you know, like let's say a hedge fund that goes and, and um, uses the money to go and make more money. I don't know how to explain the layman's terms. Just like, you know, think about like a, like a Wall Street type of business. And uh, people that are familiar with Wall Street businesses, there, there are a lot of legal ramifications that you need to do with that. If you're going into stocks, you can't have any, there's like certain knowledge that you're allowed to have, you're not allowed to have prior to that, you can't have inside information, there's all insider trading. There's certain things. Now imagine, there's a big hedge, there's a big, you know, hedge fund that goes and wants to check out its loyalty to its, uh, you know, to, to, you know, of its, of its employees. And they go and they arrange to make, like a make believe that the, what is it called? I think the SEC comes in, the, you know, the, the government comes in and goes and audits everybody. It says, okay, where did you get the information for this stock? Where did you get the information? Show me all your papers. Show me all that. Like they want to test them. So some of them will say, I don't want to tell you anything. Show me a lawyer first. Some of them will be like, I'm so scared. Okay, okay, here's what, here's what I have over here. Here's what I have over here. I'm sorry. I did this thing wrong. I did this thing wrong. So they want to test them. So, so sometimes they'll go and they'll create this whole like scenario to see how they are, how they will succeed in that type of situation. So imagine somebody is stuck in the interrogation room and he did something, let's say, that wasn't 100%, let's call it kosher. 
And he's sitting over there and he's nervous and he's like, oh my God. He's like, it's like the government's right outside. They could lock me up. They could put me in prison. They, you know, who knows what they could do. And they don't know what... They, and then the door is left a little bit open. It's left just a tad bit open. And he sees through the crack that the boss is talking to one of the FBI agents. And be like, wait a minute. He's like, okay, this guy does this and this. Ask him these type of questions. They're like, wait a minute. Is this a test? He's like, oh, okay. It's a test. All right, no problem. I got it. And a guy comes in and says, like, I'm not telling you anything. And the, and the FBI agent is telling you, I'm going to send your kids to prison. I'm going to send your grandchildren to prison. I'm going to lock up your money for generations to come. You're going to be amazed. Whatever it is, he's going on and be like, you got nothing on me. What changed beforehand? He was nervous, right? He was so nervous he was going to give them everything. But the second that he realized that it was a test, he'd be like, oh, wait a minute, it's a test. This is not real. If this is not real, then I'm going to be able to handle it. If you go through life realizing that this is a test and this really is, this world is not real. The real world is in the next world. So it's all of a sudden be like, wait a minute, this is a test? I got this. Okay, no problem. You're able to handle things differently. So the sages put the information on it because when you see these things happen, realize this is a test during the end of days. These are a test that you have to go and you have to, oh, it's a test. Now you have more of a chance of being able to succeed. And you look at it and this goes even more call it darker, with the war of Gog and Magog, the final war, the war, the, we could call it World War Three per se, but the, the war of Gog and Magog, the Vilna Gaon brings down that says that this world is going to last 12 minutes. Now the Vilna Gaon lived about 200 years ago. There was no atomic bombs, there was no hydrogen bombs, like what war could last? You're talking about with, with bow and arrows and knives and maybe one of those, what is it called, those single handle, you know, those... The, the, no, shotgun, the, the, the guns that they, muskets, whatever it is, right? They, I don't know what it was uh, during those times, but they didn't have automatic weapons, they didn't have these nuclear bombs, they didn't have the, mach- the, the, the weapons that we have today, but yet, he said, what, that's going to last 12, how is it possible to have any war last for 12, 12 minutes? Nuclear war, it's possible, how did the Vilna know that? know that? So there's a pasuk in Isaiah, chapter 26, verse 20. It says, Wait, hide. Put, put away for a moment until the wrath passes. Meaning that the war is going to be very quick. It's going to be very quick. And it says in Zechariah chapter 14 verse 12, it says that it says, That the flesh will waste away while he still stands on his feet and his eyes will waste away in their sockets and his tongue shall waste away in its mouth. Now what does that mean, this wasting away? The, the Rashi says, this means the falling off of limbs. This is like a different type of warfare. This is, you're talking about, this is like uh, radiation. This is like, this is nothing that they had in those days. That's for sure. So, the Pasuk furthermore says in Yechezkel chapter 38 verse 21, it says, That every man's sword will be against his brother. And the, the, the Pasuk in Zechariah goes on further and says in chapter 12 of verse 4, it says, The horse and rider, they will be stricken with blindness and with madness. That the, the, they will lose the understanding of how to fight battle, how to fight, how to fight the war, and they'll fight, they'll end up fighting against each other. And they'll end up taking, so the, there's, there's certain concepts over here that makes no sense when the time when this was said. The prophecies when these were said makes absolutely no sense. But today, nowadays, age, it makes perfect sense. Imagine you have, unfortunately, I don't want to give any ideas to any, um, you know, I don't know, we're having any, any of these uh, countries that are listening to my classes and be like, you know what, that's a good idea. Let's bomb this uh, U.S. with this type of thing. But let's say, God forbid, you have chemical warfare with that, is, that is filled with uh, um, like a heavy cloud. Now, if somebody if somebody's at war and they're known to fight certain one, they're not ready for it, and they see all of a sudden a dust of like chemical warfare, they're just like shooting in every direction. They're going and they're running. They're trying to save. The, they're not thinking straight. There's so many things that didn't exist in those days when this when this was 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 written, when this was mentioned, when this was wrote down. That it makes perfect sense in our day and age, and it makes perfect sense of what we're dealing with. Well, 
the yeah, yeah. The, 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 there's an opinion that says that just like there was only a fifth of the Jews that left Egypt, so too in the time of the end of days. It's, yeah, only 20%. Who is worthy? People that come to Thursday night classes. I know, I'm just kidding, I don't know. So um, it's going to be people that follow the Torah. People that follow the Torah. Who is worthy? It says if you want to be saved in the time of Mashiach, in the time of the Chavle Mashiach, you have to do two things, Torah and Gemilut Chasadim. You have to do good deeds and you have to learn, uh, learn Torah. But, uh, uh, you know, again, it's talking about a very, very serious time. Rav Yaakov Yisrael Kanievsky goes and says that we have passed the majority, the most of Chavle Mashiach was passed. When was that? In World War II. That was in World War II. And Rav, that could be like one of the Oh, could be. It could be. We'll, we'll, try, to, we'll try to have an in a explanation. So, the Rabbi Yehuda plan goes, and he said in the name of Rabbi Lechadon Wasserman, who says in the name of the Chafetz Chaim, he said that the world, the, the, the Gogoma Gogoma is going to be threefold. There's going to be World War One. Then after you know, a certain amount of time, 25 years, if I'm not mistaken, he said that it was going to be World War Two, And then there's going to be a World War Three. And each one's going to make the other one look like baby child play. So it's going to make, it's, it's, and after that is when Mashiach is, is going to come. However, it's something very important to know. That the, the birth pangs, the Chavle Mashiach, is not unavoidable. unavoidable. Not unavoidable, double negative. It, which means it could be avoidable. Right, as I said it right. So it's not unavoidable. So um, the Gemara in Sanhedrin says, like we said before on page 98b, that if you go and if you do Gemilut uh, Chasadim, if you do acts of kindness, and you, do, you learn Torah, this will help you save them during that time. But there's also this, there's other important aspects of why the, distru- the, the this, this uh, issues that are happening with, in the time of the of Mashiach. So, there, there's something known as a tikkunim. Tikkunim is like, think of it as like fixing issues that you've had in your soul. And, well, in this life also, we don't have to go so far back. Um, the, one of the reasons for the, and this, these are reasons for the sufferings that go, that go about. The Maharal goes and explains that the purpose of a person being in this world is to do good deeds, to do the mitzvot, the part of the commandments. And by doing that, you, you have this stronger connection to God. Now, if you do a sin, that sort of separates that connection from God. So you have two things. The mitzvot brings something, bring you and God together, what, what, the purpose of what you hear. The mitzvot separate it. Now, every sin separates it. Every mitzvah brings it closer together. When the person goes through suffering, this sort of cleanses that separation that they cause upon themselves through the sins that they, they have committed. Again, it could be this life, it could be a previous life, but let's use this life for, uh, you know, for, for the, the, easier to understand the um, you know, concept. Now, we also have to say, like, what about the righteous people? The righteous people also suffer. Why do the righteous people you know, go with that? So, so not only bothering me, right? Yes. It's a going... Okay. So, the, the righteous people, why do they suffer? So the Jewish people are a one... They're one nation. We're, we're, we're all... Re- Connected, can't say related because that's true also. But we're we're all connected to one another. Meaning that if one person does something bad, it affects me, and if one person does something good, it affects me as well. That's why there's no such a thing in Judaism as mind your own business, because it doesn't work that way. Your business is my business. Now again, that doesn't mean I have to not look through your windows and I and be like, <laughs> you know, like, you know, then then it will be very appropriate to dial three numbers. Um, and those numbers are 911. And I'd be like, there's a guy outside my window telling me not to turn on the remote. You know, like, 
it's for the air conditioning I'm talking about, right? So, like, you know, like, when you're going and when you're dealing with, with, with people that they say, okay, this is my life, let me, okay, it is your life, you're right, but I, I you know, we're all related, we're all connected. And the righteous people sometimes suffer for the entire nation, for the entire nation, you know, as a, as a whole. The... The sages goes and tell, uh, tell us that also that what happens if let's say a righteous person goes and suffers not for himself but for the nation. So is that fear? Is that right that they should suffer for that? And God says, don't worry about it. They get taken care of. They get rewarded for all that. So if God tells you, don't worry about it, I'll take care of you, you'd be like, where do I sign? You know, like whatever it is, when, when, you know, when you haven't, you know, to that, to that, again, we don't want suffering on us and we don't want suffering on the entire Jewish nation. But if for a righteous person on the level that he or she is and they get their suffering and it's not even for themselves, for everybody else, they get duly rewarded for that as well. The Kabbalist also goes and says that um, there are two ways to go and, and, and to cleanse, do these tikkunim. Either you do something that is called tshuva, you self-improve yourself, and then you don't have to go through the suffering, you don't have to go through these issues, or you go through the suffering and you get cleansed from these things. So basically you have two paths. The path is depending on how you want to go. You want to go according to the path that you want to fix yourself, great, easy, you go and you fix yourself, and any suffering that was supposed to come would all of a sudden you know, decrease of what you needed. You don't want to, you want to play hardball, fine. At the end of the day, these two paths lead to the same, to the same location. Sometimes you get both. It's only, it's only in God's hands. But there's, generally speaking, we're, we're putting it in a very, very generalized uh, way that there are these two paths. And technically, these paths do intertwine at, uh, you know, at times. The Chavetz Chaim goes and explains that when Mashiach comes, gonna be, the world is going to be at a complete stage. It's going to be a, a stage of completeness. Now, at this stage of completeness, there are some accounts that need to be settled. There's some uh, delinquent payments, let's call them, that need to be paid up. So these things will have to be paid up during that time. Now, again, we cannot say the reason for the Holocaust or, or what the purpose of the Holocaust was and because we're not God and we are not God's accountant, that's for sure. But there is uh, you know, an understanding and it's a very important concept of Judaism that everything that God does, God does for the best. And here we could begin to understand like some ideas of why possibly things happened the way that they did. Now, when a person goes through these, these troubled times, let's say it's before Mashiach comes or even in their own personal lives and they don't want to relate it to Mashiach, a person has to never, never give up hope. Never give up prayers. Never give up you know, the, the, the path they, they need to go on. In the same concept, you have a, a person that's sick and they need to get better and they go to a doctor and the go- doctor gives them very, very bitter medicine. Very terrible medicine. For example, chemotherapy. Chemotherapy is very, very difficult to go through. Uh, and, or radiation is also very difficult to go through. And people go through them. Why? Because they know it's ultimately for their benefit. Even though that right then and there, it's very, very difficult. And they're going through suffering, but they know ultimately it's for the benefit. So, so too, when, when someone goes through suffering in this world, people have to realize, again, we don't wish on anybody suffering. No, they know law on anybody. No, I, I, the entire, everybody should only have good. But when suffering does come, we have to realize that there is, God only does something for the benefit. And Rabbeinu Yonah goes and explains that one of the character traits of tzaddikim is that when they pay their dues, they know how to praise God with happiness, with, with full happiness. Meaning that let's say somebody goes and works for somebody for six months, works nonstop. And after the six months, the guy says, thank you very much. It was nice uh, seeing you. Have a good one. And you're waiting for your big paycheck. Nothing. You didn't get paid for six months. But then you leave and you're singing and you're dancing. And people ask, well, I understand. Why are you not upset? You worked for six months like a dog and you didn't get paid? And be like, you know how much money I owe this guy? 
So this six months was nothing compared to what I owed him. Now I'm debt free. He says, have a great life. That's it. We're done. He says, imagine that. That's a great reason. Even though you didn't get paid for it. Even though you, what it appears that you work for free. But really what happened? Really you had a, a, uh, a cleansing of all your, of all your debts. So when you're thinking about the sufferings and the, and the, and the tribulations and the, and the troubles that people go through before Mashiach comes, there is always a positive and a negative way to look at anything in life. And the morale goes and says that any transition in life is, is always involving with Yisulim, with, with suffering. You look at even simple things from going from winter to summer and summer to winter is, you know, the people go through, through suffering. When I, when I learned this, the first thing that I came, I don't think this is what the Maharal was referring to, was allergies. And I don't think, I don't know if that's what it was, uh, but it appears to me that allergy is something that's more common nowadays. And I may be wrong in this, but, but it's true. What, I don't know what, what you know, the, the referring to that, that he was dealing with when dealing with the suffering between the seasons, but we see that nowadays, in our days. You know, the, the fact that people, you know, it's, it's difficult to have the transition, even when the transition is for the positive. Let's say you love the summer. It's going from winter to summer. It's still positive. It's still, it's still a little difficult. Another good example is... Slowly, it goes through spring and spring. Not if you're in America, not if New York, New York. In New York, in the morning, it could be snowing, and then in the evening, you could already go swimming. Right? It's ridiculous. I've, I've seen it change so much. I'm like, New York, it's just like its people, bipolar. So, um, and, and it's, it's, uh, uh, it's very fascinating. New York tells you to always have faith in God because whatever they tell you is always not true. And so, whatever. Different, different uh, class in itself. But another thing that we see the transition is you look when a child transitioned to adulthood. Um, we call this transition um, suffering. I mean, teenagers, and um, they go through. See, teenagers go through a lot of a lot of difficulties. You know, it's like I'm not talking about the fact that you're speaking like this one day, and then the next day you're like this. Uh, you know, for a man, okay. Um, but there are many there are many difficulties when you when you think about transitions. When you think about going from let's say a, an old job to a new job. When you think about going from not married to married. When you think about moving from one place to another, the transition period is very very difficult. So to the transition period between no. Mashiach to Mashiach. It's a difficult transition. Then that's that's just the, the basic understanding of the world. However, a very very important uh, concept. In fact, one of the most important one is that there is no need. This is not a requirement that the people have to go through the suffering. It's not a requirement. Meaning that if somebody, if, if the Jewish nation goes and returns to God, they do tshuva and they return to the things that they need to do, then there's no need for it to happen this difficult way. And there are many many different you know. Angles to look at this. For example, Yishmael. Yishmael, at the end of the day, is going to be suffering on, from uh, from the children of Yishmael. Yishmael is the break. You break those words. Is Yishmael? God will listen. That the 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 children of Yishmael will cause the Jewish nation so many problems that the Jewish nation will scream to God and God will listen. Similar to what we happen in Egypt. In Egypt, when the Jews ran away from escaped Egypt, and well, they escaped, they left. They, they walked out of Egypt, broad daylight, and they walked. And then the Egyptians chased after them, and they were stuck with the sea at one side, the desert on the other side, and the Egyptians on the other side, and they had nowhere to go. What did they do? They turned into God into prayer, and all they turned into God into prayer, and then everything opened up for them. Literally, the sea opened, you know, opened up for them. So too, in the end of the days, there's a very, very important concept of prayers, you know. During, the, during these times, the Chafetz Chaim wrote that many troubles that have fallen upon the Jewish nation and we have not been saved is because we don't scream and increase in our prayers. And because of that, we've returned empty-handed. And this is something that we need to do. Now, on the flip side, even though we have all these troubling uh, you know, predictions and prophecies that will happen in the days, there's also positive prophecies that will happen as well. For example, there will be 
prosperity. There will be uh, wealth during this time. Now, it's something very interesting if you think about it. In one place, the sages tell us that it's going to be poverty. In another place, it's going to be wealth. Decide, is it going to be poverty or is it going to be wealth? And the answer is, is it a conflict? We see this in our days. You have both. You have people that have both. You have at the same point in time, you have people that, and may God bless them, that have a tremendous amount of wealth. And unfortunately, may God bless all the other side also that they should have the wealth. The people that unfortunately are struggling to survive. And you have in the same block, you have people that are struggling to survive and you have people that are thriving. So you have both prosperity and you have both, you have, you have poverty as well. You have also, there's going to be a renewal of Torah study. And you think about it, renewal of Torah study means we should have so many sages, we should have so many Torah scholars. But where are they? And the answer is, you see the same thing, you see a tremendous amount of people learning Torah. But where are the Torah scholars? Like where are they pulling it into? Like where is it going? You have the opening of the gates of wisdom. And this we see also in the the secular world as as well. The technological advances that we had in the past, you know, 200 years was unprecedented that happened since the beginning of creation. So we have so many, so many different concepts over here that it's very interesting that we see that it all plugs in right to our generation. And now it's not, you have to, also you have to understand that when you're dealing with prophetic, you know, prophecies that dealing with the end of days, sometimes, I'll give you an example. Let's say somebody's very into astrology. And they look at their zodiac. Zodiac is better. They're very into the zodiac, right? Um, very against it. Do not be involved in it. This is something you should stay away from. But let's say they're in, into the, the zodiac and say, ah, today, ah, you're a cancer. So today you're going to meet someone new. And make sure you smile today because it's going to be an interesting day. Be like, all right, that could be any day. You know, like you make it, they make it very, very vague. You know, like today you're going to see something that you didn't see before that you looked at before. Be like, and when you look at it, you see it. The, the prophecies, in the, when the sage said, was not, it was very, very particular. Chutzpah is going to increase. That's a very, very particular. The young will disgrace the old, will insult the old. These are very, very particular prophecies that, that come out. However, there are a few questions that I want to go on, being that it's late, I want to go through them a little bit on the quicker side, that we, I, you know, I want to deal with on, in the end of days. That people ask, a very common question is be like, if Mashiach didn't come in the time of the Vilna Gon, in the time of the Ariza, Rabbi Yosef Kara, in the time of the Ramban, in the time of the Rambam, all these, they're going to come in our generation? If they didn't come in them, how could they come in us? So there's two answers. Number one, well, there's more, I'm going to give you two answers. Number one is the, the, the good deeds that they did in the older generation is very different than the good deeds that we do in our generation. Now even though they were on a lot higher level, and we are on, you know, on the flip side, on a very low level. Everything that we do is worth a lot more than it was in back in those days. Because we have a lot more distractions, we have a lot more tests, we have a lot more issues that we're dealing with in the test world than they did. Back then, what did you do? After, after the time was, um, you know, like night, nightfall came, that's it. Either you went to sleep or you learned Torah. You didn't go buy books. I don't know, you know, like maybe what, what type of, who was an author that wrote books? Because back then books was handwritten. You're going to write Moby Dick every time by hand? Imagine that. You know, you go, you know the guy's going to go crazy. Even if you get a bunch of Asian children in, the, you know, in China to go and outsource it to the... You still, you can't. You can't. So what, the, what happened? Oh, you had only the Torah. The Torah is what people learn. So it's very easy. You didn't have a... Ch- you, you know, okay, you, know, you, go, you sit at, at, uh, in your bed and you go on your smartphone. And it's like four hours later, be like, oh my God, I can't believe what did I do in four hours? You know, or you go, unfortunately, and you have a, a, a remote control that's doesn't turn on the air conditioning. It turns on something else. And you're use, utilizing that. So you have so many more tests that they never had before. So everything good deed that you do nowadays, you know, nowadays, okay, so you have, think about modesty, you have fashion. In those days, what did you have in those days? What was the fashion? Here's a blanket. Here's a belt. Ha ha. You know, 
walk down Paris like this. This is the highest level. That's that what was in fashion. Everybody wore robes, right? Tied with rope, and that's it. That's what you wore. You know, that's what you that, that's what you wore. There's no problem. Like, yeah, this is you know the cashmere. You know, but I mean, again, you had the high quality things. What was your sandals, right? It was wrapped around with some leather thing and you tied it around there so you didn't step on rocks you know like what was and we're dealing nowadays modesty is a much more difficult to test than you know than it was back then back then the non-jews were modest of course the jews are going to be modest nowadays we're not going to speak about it okay so anyways the so the 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 difficulties that we deal with nowadays so one good deed that we do nowadays and this is how the you know the avas the rab nelson goes and explains that one thing in distress is better than a hundred in ease that the difficulties that we have now is worth so much more. Another answer that we will give is that we're not doing something that on our own. Like we're standing on the shoulders of the generation before us who stand on the generation before them and so on and so forth. Meaning that, let's say you want to go and you want to move a very, very... You know those, in Israel they have it a lot and unfortunately they have to put it in front of bus stops so that the cars, you know, the terrorists don't drive into them. It's like these huge cement boulders and they have like this little hook over there and you have like you can't move it you have to get like a special crane that goes and hooks it up and, and, and it moves it now imagine you have very 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 strong people that go and they try to pick it up they're not going to be able to pick it up the thing is so heavy they're not, it's, un, it's unable to be moved unless you have you, you have this this power machine powerful machine now that's difficult to move why? when it's on the ground but let's say you have a crane that comes and it hooks it in and it lifts it up you can take a little weakling that just goes like leans on it and it already it just shakes the entire thing like, how is it possible the strongest man in the world couldn't lift it up, but now this guy who sneezes and his bones break is able to move it? How is it possible? And the answer is because it's being held up by this very strong machine and they're just pushing it. And that's why it's so... The same way during the end of days. You have, we're standing on all the, sa- the, the, the sages before us, all the righteous people before us. They lifted the heavy boulder. All we're doing is that we're with that weakling that just like could push it. We could direct it wherever we want because we have the sages holding before us. So even though it may appear that what the sages what in the previous days, the time of the Gemara, the time of the Mishnah, the time of, of the Bet HaMikdash, they didn't bring the, the, the Mashiach, but nowadays they lifted the, the boulder for us. We could easily just move it at this point in time. Okay, so now... We also have to understand that there's a Mashiach in every single generation. Every single generation, there's a Mashiach. Now, does Mashiach know that he's Mashiach? Is a question. So some people reach out to me that they are Mashiach. Um, so they know. Um, but in general, the, not in general, the, the, the concept is like this. The concept is, is that Moshe Rabbeinu goes, more to speak about that. The, the, the Moshe Rabbeinu goes and, and uh, in the time of the Exodus, what? Oh, I have so many that come and say the Mashiach. And they get upset at me. I don't understand. I've been reaching out for you. I told you that I'm the Messiah. I'm going to go and save. I have so much to go and offer the world. And how come? Well, I don't need it. I could already tell that I don't need to ask for any signs. Um, but um, because I could, I could guarantee you, if someone's reaching out to me to tell them that they're Mashiach, you know, Mashiach doesn't really need to reach out to me. I need to reach out to Mashiach. Right? It works the other way around. So, but in any case, the, in, in the time of Moshe Rabbeinu, Moshe Rabbeinu, he didn't know that he was the redeemer of, of, uh, you know, of the Jewish nation. In fact, he didn't want to go. He said, no, God, you go find somebody else. He didn't even know until why he was pushed. Until he was, when he was 80 years old, you're talking about that he wasn't, he didn't live his life like, yeah, I'm the Messiah. Oh, just wait, everybody's going to know about me. Like, no, Moshe Rabbeinu knew nothing about it. So too in Mashiach. Mashiach is also going to be the same concept. And all of a sudden, when the time comes, and God's going to come and say, this is time for Mashiach, then Mashiach is going to have that, uh, that, uh, um, that ability to know that, that he is Mashiach, similar to the way that Moshe Rabbeinu knew. Now, when you're dealing with Mashiach, there's, there's, there's some fascinating qualities of Mashiach. His wisdom is going to be greater than that of Shlomo Melech. 
Now, you just study a little bit about Shlomo realize what the level of his wisdom was, realizing what we're dealing with. The Mashiach is going to be greater than all the prophets, but not including Moshe Rabbeinu, right? Not, not all the prophets include, but again, there's, maybe we'll speak more about this, but that's the general concept. He's going to have greater stature and honor than all the kings that preceded before him. He will go and he will teach all the Jewish people the, and instruct them in the way of the Torah. He will reveal like hidden mysteries in the Torah that we've never been uh, revealed before. And then not only the Jewish nation, but the entire world, all the nations of the world will recognize him and recognize his wisdom, and they're going to submit to him as, as, a, as a ruler and as a, as a king. Now, how do we know that someone's a Mashiach? So it's not because someone's going to say, I'm a Mashiach. Hey, by the way, I'm a Mashiach. Because I could give you a list of people that you could go and interrogate that, uh, that, uh, that claim that they're, that they're Mashiach. Um, the... One, so there's some, there's some very, very important uh, concepts. The number one is the Mashiach is going to be a Torah scholar. So this right away knocks off 100% of the people that have come up to me. So uh, they're, they're going to be a, a Torah scholar. Not the questions that I get be like, so I'm Mashiach, but um, can you teach me about Judaism? And I'm like, why? Well, I, well this, is, I mean, this is the type of question I got a while ago and I'm still answering these people. Uh, now, uh, whatever. Okay, so um, the, I'm like, no, um, it's not, that doesn't work that way. And somebody once went over to Rabbi Zamir Cohen. I don't know if I said this over. Someone over the Cohen, like an intelligent, sophisticated person says, like, you know, I'm Mashiach. It's like, oh, you're, oh, I didn't, oh, nice to meet you. He's like, you're in the Mashiach. That's amazing. Um, do you know the Gemara? Be like, no. Do you know the Mishnah? Be like, no. It's like, oh, <laughs> Mashiach needs to know that. Finish all of that. And then come to me, uh, then come to me back. You know, it's a nice, easy way to go and say that. Maybe I should start doing that. Um, telling people, after you finish the written law and then the oral law, then come back to me and then let's discuss of your messianic uh, powers. So, also, what, what, what is Mashiach? How do we know Mashiach? So he's going to be a, a big Torah scholar. He's going to bring all the people back to Judaism. He's going to physically bring people back to the land of Israel. He will rebuild the temple. There, and that during this point in time, we'll speak about it, there's not going to be any conversion. The, and, and how do you know that this is actually going to Mashiach? There's a very, very simple litmus, litmus test to know if this is Mashiach or this is not Mashiach. And the answer is, if he gets the job done. If you get the job done, that you're Mashiach. This is a, this is what, like the easiest proof regarding JC. Um, um, you know, like JC didn't do nothing, like like zero, zero, uh, in regards to what Mashiach is supposed to do. So, you know, the, the the Christians, what do they have to do? They have to go and they have to start. Uh, um, they have to start flipping it. Of course, I get comments on that because when you speak about Mashiach, who listens? Christianity thinks Messiah. Oh, very good. The Christians, uh, the Christians do it. So no, no, they should know that the, no, the JC did nothing. If not, go look at my other classes and uh, take me up on that as well. So, but the the what what a Christianity has to come with? There's going to be a second coming. Yeah, you know why there's going to be a second coming? Where did you get that? Why are you making things up? Like who, like, who gives you permission to start making things up? Like, okay, and then there's going to be a third coming and a fourth coming. And then according to you, I think, I have ten messiahs that should be your messiah as well. Oh, they didn't get anything done yet? Okay, they didn't get to the first coming yet. They're still working on it. So, you know, like, when, when they're going, nowhere in the Torah does it speak about that there's going to be a second coming. Mashiach doesn't need two tries. It's going to come one time. It's not going to go one time and be like, I'll be back. And then they come back and be like, now I got it. I learned from my mistake last time. Now I'm going to get it. It doesn't work that way. Mashiach comes and Mashiach comes and that's it. There's not going to be like trial one and be like, okay, it didn't work, but you better believe. Otherwise, you know, or, but there's going to be a second coming. So don't worry about it. He's going to come back. He's going to save you all. Huh? 
There's there's no second. Well, there is second chances, but not for the Messiah. Messiah, how do you know that Mashiach is Mashiach? Not when he says he's Mashiach. Not when he's going to perform miracles. Not with anything else. He could feed five hundred people. He could turn water into wine. He could walk on water. I don't care what he could do. Right? He could go and he could do close-up magic with cards. For all I care. But he's not going to be Mashiach until he goes and he completes the tasks that Mashiach is supposed to complete. And that there's no second coming. There's no third coming. There's no fourth coming. There's no anything else. It's one shot, one time. That's Mashiach or not. That's it. End of story. So clear. Clear. Right? Okay. Good. So. Let's see the comments that we'll get. Okay. So now, um, let's figure out this, this, what time is it? Okay, it's going to be a little bit late. So let's, let's, uh, let's go, go through this a little bit fast. Uh, the calculating the end of time, the end of the, of the redemption. The, yeah, let's go through this fast. So I'm just checking, the, you know, the time. The Gemara Sanhedrin, page 97b, says that may the spirit of those who calculate the end expire. Now, that's not a good thing. Like, it, 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 you should not be calculating the end of time. And now, why is it a problem to calculate the, the end of time? Because if you calculate and say, God, you know, Mashiach is supposed to come by January, blah, 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 2000, and blah, blah, blah. Why is it a problem? Because then what happens if he doesn't come? People give up hope. People give up. Be like, he didn't come now. Oh, then what's the purpose? You know, like, okay, he's never going to come. So you're not supposed to, you're not supposed to go and you're not supposed to uh, um, go and calculate the end. But there are very big questions. There are great rabbis that did calculate the end. How could they do that? So let's give a few answers on that. The Barbanel goes and says that when is this forbidden to go and calculate the end? That's forbidden based on astrology. You know how to go based on astrology and go and calculate the end. But if you calculate the end through other means, not a problem. The Nachmanides, Ramban, goes and says, when did this restriction apply to the earlier generations? The earlier generations. The mom goes and explains that, let's say you have you know, a family going and traveling. And children like to ask the question, that here we go. Okay, so it's music to the parents' ears um, because they're removed from their Gehenom. So uh, they go and it's Yisurim, and they go name. Are we there yet? No. How long are we going to be till we're there yet? A long time. How are we there yet? No. Are we there? And they get really upset. No, no, no. They're not going to be there. I'll tell you when we get there. And then that's the problem. We're in the beginning of the journey. But let's say you're you're driving to Canada, right? Let's say you're driving to Niagara Falls. Right? What is it? Nine, seven hours, depending on how you drive, right? Brooklyn, so it's three and a half hours. So um, you, you go and you think, okay, like you know, like if you're in the beginning of the journey, the parents don't want to hear about it. But if you're like forty-five minutes away, and the child doesn't be like, okay, it's going to be forty-five minutes. How long is forty-five minutes? Okay, that's another story. The, the, you know, they go and they say. If it's closer, it's easier. So when, so the way the Nachman goes and the Malbin goes and explains it is that in the earlier generations, because Mashiach is going to be very far away, you're not supposed to go and calculate then. But when you're coming to the very close end of times, end of days, the days that we are now, then it's not a problem to calculate it because it's right, it's right at the end of the journey. The Maharal goes and explains also what was the purpose of the forbidding of calculating the end because the HaKadosh Baruch Hu went and he concealed the end. Why? Because when you know the end, that's a little bit of a salvation in itself. When you know, what? It's like a, right, you know, exactly, you know. Exactly. So if let's say, if let's say, let's say, let's say God comes to you and says, um, Mashiach is going to come in 20 years. And be like, wait, 20 years. So I got about 15 years of partying. And then I'm going to fix myself up for five years. It's going to be like crazy. Or on the flip side, it could be, let's say it's going to be in 80 years. And of course, Mashiach is coming tomorrow. But I'm saying, but like when you think about it, like when you say, like, hey, it's in 80 years, be like 80 years. So you're going to be pushed off. Like, oh, what do I care? So it, it could turn people off when you're going and you're trying to go and, and calculate the end. The what? So the element of Right. Right, so, but it also there's an anticipation. There's a tzipita lishah. If you say that, oh, Mashiach is coming 20 years, what's the anticipation? 
in 20 years. I'll dissipate it in 19 and a half years. So the, the reason why you had Rishonim that go and, and went and they calculated the end of days is that there's another reason also, is that is because that the Jewish nation was going through very, very difficult hardships during that time. And they needed a boost. They needed a boost. They said, oh, the, you know, Mashiach is going to come at this point in time. Oh, it's so close. Okay, so then I'll do it. Now we have to understand that. Why would the righteous people go and say that? The righteous people would say, what, are they lying then? Be like, oh, they needed a boost of morale. Be like, okay, so guess what? In two years' time, Mashiach is coming. In one year's time, Mashiach has got to come. Why would they say that? We have to understand the concept. And to boost the morale, we also have to understand what, what is the, the, the idea behind it. So this is something that I spoke about before, but I want to go a little bit in depth into it based on the questions that I had. Um, I think this is an important, uh, an important topic. The Pasuk in, in Isaiah, chapter 60, verse 22, it says that when Mashiach will come, it's going to come in its time, um, in its time, I will rush it. I will go, I will make it go faster. I'll hasten it. So, the question that I ask is, these are the contradictory statements. In the time, I will rush it. In the time, I'll hasten it. Either it's in its time, or I will rush it. If you're ordering something on Amazon, it's either going to be delivered in your regular prime two days, or you're going to go and you're going to go one day. It's not going to be like, in its prime time, same day delivery. Be like, wait, wait, what is it? Well, maybe they do do that. I don't know. But you can't say like seven to ten days delivery or next day delivery. Figure it out. You're like, wait, is it seven to ten days or is it or is it the next day? So when you're dealing with the pasuk, what does it say? In its time, by ita I will go and I will rush it. So really, it's no no contradiction. What's what is it the pasuk referring to? If the Jewish nation is worthy, then it will come early. It will come achishena. It will come fast. But if not, then beita. Then it will come in its in its time. So. This is the concept of, of the, what the Pasuk says in Tehillim in chapter 95. It says, when is Mashiach going to come? If you go and you listen to God and you do the Shuvah, then it's going to come, then it's going to come uh, today. And the Barbanel breaks this down into three categories. There's three categories. There, are, there is a premature time for Mashiach, there is a contingent time for Mashiach, and there's a mature time for Mashiach. So premature time is before Mashiach is, is, is unable to come. Then you have contingent, the contingency. What's the contingency? If you do Shuvah and you follow in God's way, then Mashiach is going to come. And then you have the mature time, meaning that by here, Mashiach is the end of the road. Here, Mashiach has to, Mashiach has to come. Ooh, okay, almost finished. You have to cut something short. The, so what, so now we have to understand something. When was the prohibition, what was the prohibition to calculate the end of days? Was it a prohibition to calculate when it could come early? Or was it a prohibition to calculate when it's going to come the end of days? Says our sages that when it was a prohibition, the prohibition was that you're not allowed to calculate the end of days. Meaning that there's, after this date, it must come. This is the final time that it has to come, otherwise, you know, the world is going to be destroyed. That you're not allowed to calculate, you know, you're not allowed to, you're not allowed to calculate. But, Achishena, the earlier time, the early time that you could calculate to. And this is really not, it says that Maharal, this is not really a contradiction. Why? Because the, the sages, even in the earlier generations, they said, you know what, Mashiach is going to come in two years, or in a year, or in whatever, in a certain amount of time. That's not a lie. Really, it could. That is the time that it could come, Achishena. There are certain times when it's very apropos the Mashiach comment. The, the, the power is very strong. The people are doing good. People are good. But if they go and they do the merit that they need to do, they follow in the Chuvah, they follow the Torah footsteps, they do what they need to do, then Mashiach is going to come. It doesn't depend on anything else other than them. That's what they calculated. Meaning that it doesn't mean that it's not say you have the rabbis and the sages and say, Mashiach is supposed to come in the year, blah, 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 blah. That year, it's really, it's really apropos to come. But if it doesn't come, that means that this is the time that it could have came earlier. We messed it up. Okay, then we have to go to the next time where there are certain times when it's more apropos that it will come. Make sense? Very, very important concept. The Chavetz Chaim wrote that at the same point in time, we cannot focus on the, the calculating the end of times. Because even in the time of the Babylonian exile, the time of the Babylonian exile, 
the, the prophets told us it's going to be 70 years and then the, then the exile is going to end. And even then, when we knew exactly when it was supposed to end, we still didn't know exactly it was supposed to end because we didn't know when to start counting from. 70 years from when? <laughs> like, what do we count from this day? Count from this day? Count from this day? So even when we knew the end of times, we didn't know the end of times. So, certainly, when, when the, the, we don't have the end of times, that if God goes and hides it, don't start making your calculations because if you know, you never know if it's going to be uh, correct or, or wrong. At the same point in time, we can understand this important concept that there's also a contradictory statement when dealing with Mashiach. The Mashiach is going to come floating on clouds or riding on a donkey. Now, it doesn't mean that the, cloud, the donkey is going to be riding on the clouds, uh, you know, floating on the clouds. So what? It's very contradictory. Is it going to be on a donkey? It says, Ani, a poor person that's riding on a donkey. Is it going to be a poor person? It's going to be, it's going to be a, uh, you know, on the clouds. And it says, it's so the, the sages goes and explain, it all depends on the merit of the Jewish nation. If the Jewish nation merits it, and it brings it earlier because of the merits of the chuba and the following of the Torah, then it will come supernatural. It will come supernatural and it won't come with all the suffering and the trouble, tribulations that the Torah speaks about, that the sages speak about. But if the, if the Jewish nation is not worth it, and it's going to be to the end of days, then the, the Mashiach is going to come like a a, 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 a a pauper riding on a donkey. Meaning that it's going to come in, as an undeserved redemption. It's coming as, as an undeserved redemption. And finally, one last point I want to speak about is the Gemara Sanhedrin, page 98, goes and says that the, the Mashiach is only going to come in a generation either a generation where it's entirely meritorious or entirely um, not meritorious, guilty or innocent. Either a generation that is guilty or either a generation that is innocent. How can it be both? Either it's guilty, is it possible? You think about it. That the entire generation is going to be guilty or the entire generation is going to be innocent? So there's two answers that I want to give. One of them is from the Shemesh Mol that says that the generation is going to be on two polar extremes. You can have people that are going to be completely righteous and you have people that are going to be completely wicked. And that's in the generation when it's going to come. Now, I don't want to relate to anything that's nowadays, but whoever knows a little bit what's going on nowadays, that's pretty close. The Kedush Arim gives something fascinating. I love this answer because I deal with people and I could see how true it is. It says, what does it mean that it's, that the people are either going to be completely righteous or completely wicked? Meaning that the people would think that they are completely righteous. And that is the greatest falling, really they're completely wicked. But they think that they're completely righteous. I've, unfortunately, spoke to so many people, they think they're the most righteous, they're, they're saving the world. You have people that come to Torah classes, go and they try to convince people not to listen to Torah because they're doing the right thing. They're making people think logically, they're making, they're not. They, they think they convince themselves that they're doing the right thing. You have people that go and they start businesses that are very, very bad businesses for the, you know, for, for the spiritual, and they think that they're doing the right thing, they need to do this, they need to do that, they, whatever it is that they need to, they, they claim that they need to do, they claim that they're good. Or you have people be like, I'm a good person. Does it matter if I don't keep Shabbat? Does it matter if I'm not, I don't keep kosher? Does it matter if I don't just modesty? Does it matter if I don't want to I'm a good person. So I'm a good person. So they think that they're a righteous person. That is the biggest fooling possible. Because that's so unfortunate. Because somebody who thinks that they're righteous, somebody that thinks that they're the greatest person alive, they're not going to change. They're going to stay exactly the way that they are. That's the end of the days. You're going to have people that are not going to be changed. It's going to be the end of time. God says that there's no longer, there's no more hope. You're never going to change if you think that you're perfect. There's never going to be a change if you think that you're completely righteous. So, when we're coming to the end of days, and we're, we're definitely are in the end of days, and we're definitely in the time of, of uh, the footsteps of Mashiach, we're definitely in the Chevle Mashiach, we have to go and realize why, why, why we want it, how do we get it, 
and what we have to do to achieve that. And it's very, very imperative on each and every single one of us. It's not something in the future, it's something that matters for us right here, right now. It's very important that we have understand the concept of believing in Mashiach and we understand the concept of anticipating Tzipita Yeshua. It's anticipating the, the, you know, the salvation. We want to be part of the time of Mashiach and now that we want to be time, part of, time of the part Part of the time, time of the part, part of the time, whatever it is, depending on how you speak, right? Right to left or left to right. Um, uh, part time, um, uh, you know, when you want, we want to be in, 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 in that when Mashiach comes. But even more so, we want to be in the time when Mashiach comes, that it comes from the good, that we bring it earlier, that we don't have to deal with the Chavla Mashiach, we don't have to deal with the sufferings of Mashiach, but rather we have to deal with only the beauty and the amazing part of Mashiach. It's possible, yeah. It doesn't have to go only the bad. In general, you should know that any prophecy that the Torah says that if it's negative, it doesn't have to come to fruition. It's only if the people are not worthy. If the people are worthy, then it's, then it's fine. So if a prophet comes and says that there's something bad that's supposed to happen and it doesn't happen, it doesn't mean that they're a false prophet because it could be that people did chuba. At the flip side, if a prophet comes and says there's something positive that's supposed to happen and it doesn't happen, then you know, and then you know it's a false prophet. So you know, the, the you know, the, the idea is, is, is the Mashiach topic is very important, and Bezalel Hashem will hopefully clarify a few more you know important concepts of it, but. Bezat Hashem, we won't need to because we'll see Mashiach Mashiach coming in the good side and not from the from the Chavle Mashiach will be only from the good and we'll all be reunited from for the loss that we have had both spiritually and physically and may we only see the good times and the good things of Mashiach. Let's open up for any questions. And I'm nervous about opening up for questions because I know there's going to be a lot of questions and it's very possible that I'm going to ask it but let's open it up. I may or may not answer your questions tonight on it. Yeah. So, um, maybe we all know that there is a group that believes that Mashiach already came and um, they kind of reference a religious group, Jewish group. Um, you know, so I, I'm confused by that. Uh, do you have any answers? Or so, first and foremost, I have to tell you a conversation that I had. I don't, I don't know if... I could probably mention the rabbi's name. He's one of the biggest rabbis in Brooklyn. I had a conversation last week, and I was asking, uh, I was, I was asking him a few questions on, and, and one of the questions that I came up was what topics I shouldn't speak about. And one of the topics that he said I shouldn't speak about was that one. So, but, but um, one of the re- so, so we, we have to understand like, like this. It's a Mashiach is going to be alive. And he's going to, like we said before, Mashiach is going to go and he's going to, how do we know it's Mashiach? When, when he finishes the job. That's how we know it's Mashiach. Um, but at the same point in time, every generation there is a Mashiach. There is a Mashiach. To say that, that he was a Mashiach, very possible. I don't know. I'm not God. I'm not God's accountant. But now that he is no longer around, so now we are waiting the Mashiach that will, every generation, and the generation that's going to go and complete that, um, the prophecies and complete the things that the Mashiach needs to complete to. I mean, it's just it's like, it's like Christianity almost. Like, they say that Mashiach came. It is. It's just as bad. So, it happens to be it's a very, very small sect. And, um, it's a very small sect that deals with that. I, I've had, I spoke to people in that sect. I've spoke to Rosh Yeshivas of that sect, and I've had long conversations, you know, and understanding. It, it was, there's a lot to speak about it, um, but I won't speak about it for uh, the instructions that I got. And why, why did the rabbi say I shouldn't speak about it? The rabbi said you shouldn't speak about any topics that separate Judaism. You don't speak about topics that separate Judaism. The, um, that sect does tremendous amount of good to the nation. The sect, 
that unfortunately gives itself a bad name and it is a very, very small minority type. But the problem is, is that some people make a lot of noise, but they're very small, but it makes you think that everybody's like that. It's a very small sect, you know, of, you know, of them. And generally, you know, the, the question is, is that what, where also is the fault that they are dealing with and what is it? I'm not saying the people that go and pray to the, to, to the rabbi. That, that is Avodah Then you're dealing with Avodah I'm not talking about that. Majority of people do not. I don't, I, in fact, I don't know anybody that does. Um, and I've asked. And, I, and people that know me, I'm very blunt. A person, if a person's nifter, that means that they're no longer alive. To say that someone could come back to life on their own, that's saying like that. I don't know if they say that. I've never heard that. There's a person, there's no comparison. Right, so that, that's, that's like being polite. That's, that's being polite. Um, that's being polite. There, there are different things that are customs. It's not. I mean, again, there are there are many different things. I don't want to delve into it because I have a lot to speak about it, but I won't speak about it because I'm not supposed to speak about it. But it's it, we also have to understand that when they go and they claim something, um, you have to understand where the claim lies. So you have to you have to be very careful. We're very quick to judge, unfortunately. And when you delve into it, it's. Uh, we're the, judging the concept of the idea that there is a person that could die and like bring themselves back to so life or something like so that. So most people, in fact, I've never met anybody unless that told me that from that sect. I know we're speaking in code and everyone knows what we're talking about, but um, it's... it's a, he was a, Put it this way, he's a very, very righteous person. I recommend to go to this caver. I think his caver is... Almost like Moshe, like that. That if they had to, yeah, it. I was talking about Moshe Rabbeinu, right? So it, it's true, but they don't. Again, you're not allowed to go. You're not allowed to pray to. You're not allowed to pray to. Yeah, and it's true. There's a lot to speak about. There's a lot of stories that bring about it that the rabbi came in dreams and things that to talk, whatever it is. But all said and done, from my research and from the people that I spoke to, and, and I spoke to not the lower ones. I spoke to people that had yeshivas teaching these things. And uh, the majority of them do not believe in that. The majority of them do, you know, like it's a very misunderstood concept when you actually go and you delve into it. Um, but, uh, you know, again, so, so it's, they do a tremendous amount of good. They do uh, a lot of good. The, if there's a small sect that maybe is a little bit misconstrued, maybe, possibly, and it's just a misunderstanding that they have. Unfortunately, there are many people that have misunderstanding. Yes, there's always different groups that have uh, among them people that have weird Yeah, concepts. yeah. Put on your resume. I like long walks on beach and prefer to marry Mashiach. Technically, oh, can Mashiach get married? I have to look at that. It's a good question. I don't see why not. It's not the priest. How do you Oh, that's what you ask, Kasha. Yeah, do they overlap? So there's different, that's an excellent question. How do you measure a generation? How could be a Mashiach? Because let's say, this is a very interesting question. So let's say you have Mashiach, is the person that's supposed to be Mashiach is 100 years old, and then he passes away. So then the next Mashiach is supposed to be born, but then let's say he's zero. What are you going to do until 20? Right? Like you can't be Mashiach at uh, six years old or six months old, be like, hey, I'm Mashiach. Because um, we get those people medicine. So um, the... 
so, so the, there is, the concept is, is that there are people that are worthy of being Mashiach. And God will tell... So it's very possible that there's two people that are alive that could be Mashiach, but one person is going to be Mashiach. When that person dies, then the other person is the worthy uh, you know, Mashiach. Now again, this is my own understanding of a certain concept, so don't quote me that I may be wrong in that concept, but this is the way that I understood it. And, and this is also based off a little bit of a concept of, of, the, of the Ibu, of, of Nishamot. It's, a, it's like a piggyback of, of souls in reincarnation. So it's a little bit on the Kabbalistic side and how it works, but um, that's the way that I understood that question. Is I had the question myself. But also, how long then is the generation? Like, is it thirty years? Is it years? Doesn't matter. Well, that, for that, for that, doesn't matter. The, the, when you're dealing with Mashiach, how long is the generation? Is a different topic with Mashiach. Talks like, some people say generation thirty years. Some people say it's longer. So. It could be fifteen years. It could be there, depending exactly. on what you're asking. If somebody goes and asks me, can I, I date somebody? It depends. So let's say there's a girl that wants to date. You know, it's very common for girls to date older guys. Um, you know, in in certain communities. So where is a generation where it's you know where it's like that's too much. So I don't want to throw out a number. But this is a number that I heard a um, a well-respected rabbi say. That's 15 years. 15 years is a different generation already. That's a different concept. Now, in our day and age, right here, right now, it's like. I, I, you know, like, I feel like I'm in a much older generation from people that are five years younger than me. That's how I feel. I'm like, what? What do you do? Like, you know, like, I don't understand the social media stuff. And I'm a pretty tech-savvy person. But I don't understand, like, the things, that, like, you know, the social, the stuff. So, again, what's a generation? Depends on what the question is. Is it for dating? Is it for, for children? So the, a lot of these things are self-explanatory, depending on how you ask the question. For Mashiach, it's when Mashiach comes in that, uh, in that particular, you know, generation, in that particular time, and they're going to, you know, so it's it's uh one, so let me understand, let me explain it like this. There's um there's something known as an ibu nishama, and again, I don't want to say that it's 100 percent related to this, but I want you to understand this concept. I think with this concept, you understand a little bit of the concept of of where Mashiach can uh, can be related to. So. There's reincarnation. Reincarnation is a very common concept that a person dies and then comes back into this world. That is one concept of reincarnation. The Arizal goes and brings down there's a little bit of the other concepts. There's different concepts that are not so common in reincarnation that are known as Ibu. Ibu, you think about it as piggyback, meaning that somebody could be alive and then another soul can come and piggyback on that soul. And that doesn't mean possession. It doesn't mean you walk in and be like, oh, hell, you know, like all the time. But it could be like you have a great ancestor that comes in and they were, let's say, very careful in a certain mitzvah, and you were also careful in a certain mitzvah, so you have like this certain connection, they could come in and sort of piggyback on you and help you achieve things that you wouldn't have been able to achieve before. Well, now, they use it as a they, they could, but that's for the negative. This, what I'm talking about right now is for the positive. The, um, so, yeah, sometimes you'll have people that, let's say, they do things that they never thought they would be capable of doing. They never thought they had the power to do. Now, it could be that they did have the power, but it's also, there's another answer that it's possible that they had a little bit of extra help, you know, from but behind the Hashem scenes. Could help you. How could Hashem's help helping you through that. Hashem's helping you, well, yeah. So the, if you think about that in regards to Mashiach and the piggybacking and that, you could plug in a few simple calculations and it would clarify, uh, you know, clarify. Again, this is more on the Kabbalistic realm of things, but there's Mashiach, there's one neshama of Mashiach, but how and when it comes down and how and when it's going to be revealed, that's my understanding of it. Yes, we'll speak about that. We'll speak about that, yeah. Yes, we'll speak about that. Oh, that's a class I want to give, the two Mashiachim, yeah. So he's gonna be a he's gonna be a prophet. It's gonna be a nevuah. Yes, yes, he's gonna realize. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh-huh. I know there's going to be, I'm going to get a bunch of emails. I just realized it right now. Be like, I know. Uh, me too. <laughs> yeah. Just came to me. So yeah, but it's a, it's a, So, yeah, so there are, so then probably he, if he's thinking like that, when God comes and talks to you, it's not, if you think that you're insane and you hear God, then you're probably insane if you think that you're hearing God. But if it's, if it's like a legit type of a situation, then, you know, when you're dealing with, we're not dealing with a regular person that is out shooting pool under this fancy tables, right? There's a pool. He's shooting out, he's shooting pool and then he's going to go and be like, yes, God? I'm talking to God right now. You know, like, those type of people, yeah, go, you know, meet a shrink and meet a psychologist. You need, those people do need help. When you're dealing with people on the highest caliber that they're attached to the, you know, to the spiritual world, you look at, let me use an example. Let's say you're Rabbi Chaim Kanievsky, right? Rabbi Chaim one of the You go over to him, he's not in this world. He's attached to another world. You come into him, he already knows things about you. And I I could speak from experience and like the situations that I was personally involved in. Like he definitely knows things that he doesn't see. And I can guarantee these are things that 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 it's impossible. And it's not like one of those fake, you know, pastors that they have those they have those uh those headpieces, those earpieces inside and be like, Okay, this person over here, uh her name is Mary, she's fifty two years old, she never has children, and uh she has seizures. I'd be like, Mary! I sense that you are having seizures. Um, and then he goes and says, the weird thing is this person is white. Right? And he's like, I, and then he's going to go, and whatever it is, like, it, you're not dealing with those type of people. You're dealing with somebody that is connected to the next world. Somebody that's connected to Chaim Kineski is not going to be like, okay, maybe I need to speak to, you know, like, when you're, you're dealing with the righteous or the highest level, the highest level. These are the people that are Mashiach. So, a very simple litmus test. If, you're not sure if you're really listening to and God is talking to you, then go see somebody and speak to somebody professionally or non-professionally, but definitely speak to somebody before you listen to the voices. Oh, so that's a different question how it's going to be from the Jewish nation. Again, that's how we, how do we know that's Mashiach when it completes the mission? One of the things that Mashiach needs to do is unite the people and uh, follow in the ways of the Torah. So no reform, no conservative, no secular, no open orthodoxy, no nothing, just plain Jewish, orthodox Jewish. Any other uh, questions? Moshe is a Levi, but it's a good question what's going to happen in the times of Mashiach. If, so maybe, we'll, I want to give a whole class, maybe we'll speak about that. One of, the, one of the main things that I missed out when I gave my other classes was I didn't speak about how the world is going to be like when Mashiach comes. And I find that's a very important concept. I also found that I want to speak about the two Mashiach. The two Mashiach. I also want to delve a little bit about the prophecies that I only, went very, I only touched upon. So well, these are some ideas that I may be speaking about. We'll see with God's help, we'll see what we get to. One fifth of generation that, that they're not going to make it. So again, that depends on how it comes. If the it's you know like if only twenty percent are going to make it when Mashiach comes, that's if it comes you know in the bad way. But if everybody does chuba, then uh, it, you know it will be all nice and dandy, and that's what we want. So it's not so like likely that like most Why we having a tremendous amount of chuba movement now? But like there are also many that like aren't like. Yeah, so like, d- everybody's got to do their job. Got to start making. Well, that you can't do. That's already out of the out of your uh, out of your realm. Also, the whole concept where people think they could pray to a person for help, like, and 
Christianity, like they pray to Yashkan and like the Jewish sect that they sometimes pray to the Rebbe, the ones who don't know. Um, Mashiach is not someone that people could pray to. He's right. going to be just as helpless in Hashem's head. Like, he can't help right. anybody. Right. One of the fu- fundamental principles of faith is that we don't pray to anybody else other than God. And anybody that prays to, to a rabbi or a savior or anything else is borderlining a very, very dangerous rope that so could be... Yes, yeah, of course not. Yeah. Yeah. I have one more question. Um, you know rabbis are like, Yes. But Mayor Balanessa's pushka? No. There's a there's a there's a few uh, there's concepts of zgulot of and and there's nothing there's certain there's certain rabbis that before they pass away really really big rabbis that they said if you do this and this and this I'm, I'm going to pray on your behalf that those are not those are not considered idolatry those are things that you could uh, go and give in fact yeah there's many there in if you go to a a synagogue a shul and you look at the uh, the pushkas over there if you see there's let's say there's like 10 10 pushkas in there over there and one of them is Rabbi Baness that one's going to be the happiest one <laughs> so like, what about when someone goes to, like, let's say, Rukhan Kanievsky? Like, like he's, a, he's still a person, and it may be a school, but people pin a lot of folks on what... So there's something known as emunat chachamim. When you're dealing with a big rabbi and you go into a big rabbi, so your question is good. So we don't. Let's say you go to the biggest rabbi of the generation. Let's say you go to Rabbi Chaim Kanevsky. You don't uh, pray to Rabbi Chaim Kanevsky. You don't do anything. But what? And that's that's not a problem. Yeah, because yeah, it's a tzaddik gozel v'Hashem ekayem. A righteous person decrees and God answers. There's a concept in Judaism of emunat chachamim. You have to have emunat chachamim. So it's a very concept. If they go and the rabbi, the rabbi uh, says this is going to happen, then you could take the, and the rabbi is on the level like that, right, then you could take that to the bank. That's not because he's, he, he was worthy to be a messenger. Right. His words came true, but Hashem is the one who made him say those right. words. Right. You have to try. Of course, you have to do what you need to do. You, you know? And generally, when you're dealing with these ter- certain type of people, the rabbis, if let's say somebody doesn't keep anything with Judaism and he asks them a certain question and the rabbi says, I'll give you, you know, I'll tell you, I'll, you, know, tell you, I'll pray on your behalf of this and this, they also say, but you have to follow the Torah and this and this and this. So there's different things in that. It's a very, very open ended question. But um, generally speaking, if uh, you have a rabbi in that level, says something, it's it's tzaddik, tzaddik goes el v'ashem ekayim. Tzaddik goes in the crease, and uh, what? Like the, they have this thing of a scorpion and something else, like tzaddikim. With scorpions? What do you mean? Like they, their words are like the sting of a scorpion. Oh, yeah, but but we're talking about something else. We're talking about in the effect of does it, that work in idolatry? And that's what she's asking, right? And your fact is, is it is it idolatry? So no. And now again, ultimately, everything is from God. Righteous person or not, everything is from God. But a righteous person has a. But I know that there's the concept that if someone really, like, I guess, idolizes someone to an extent, like it could be considered a desire. So if someone, like, goes to, I don't know how to describe, it, but like, okay, if they go ask uh, ask for a from from yes, it's one thing, but if they're going and like. Like what that person says, like obviously if they're asking a lot of Shailon, like it answers, like if whatever that person says, walk, that I really consider like, I mean. That depends on a case by case situation. Like if you have someone who's like really look up to, like yeah, so like people are very close to the and like very, like I'm not saying it's just, whatever, sometimes I wonder because like that person. Well, you're asking a very broad question, and I see where. I see where you could go. Where you could go with that, 
99% of the time it doesn't happen, but it depends on the situation that you're going. And generally, the way that the rabbis answer, it doesn't happen that way. That it turns into idolatry when you go to a rabbi and you ask him a question, you ask him for these certain things. I hear what you ask him, but generally it's not, but, but if you give me a particular situation, I'll be able to answer more particularly, and you'll see that it doesn't, it, doesn't, it doesn't work that way. Any other questions? No? Okay, chazaku baruch. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.